0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Conversations with Kate, coming to you tonight from the New Rectory and with a wonderful guest, my friend, Joshua Wong. Welcome, Joshua.
1: Well, it's wonderful to see you again, Kate. I, I love seeing you all the time, yes.
0: I know, and it's been a long year, and we were just remembering that um, that one of the last things that that we did before the world shut down Uh, early last year, well, one of the last things I did was attend an art show where your work was featured. So we'll get to that. (laughs) But first of all, Joshua, I want to just ask you the question I always ask my guests. um, And that is, are you a native Angelino? And if if not, how did you find your way to to Los Angeles?
1: Sure. Um, You know, it's so strange because I actually grew up here since I was like We came to America when I was four years old. Uh, My family and I, I I grew up in, I was born in Hong Kong, Mm -hmm. and my father moved us all here in 1964, and Mm. in LA, and then we lived here a couple years, and then we moved to Santa Barbara. And after that, we moved back here. So I am quite Mm -hmm. a native Angelino. yes.
0: You are, so your whole life, as long as you can remember, you've been in Los Angeles or Santa Barbara, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. It wasn't until I was probably like 20 years old that I went to visit Hong Kong again and to realize wow. how the world looked like if everyone was Asian.
0: I know, right? <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. So that, that's, the, that's the first time that you had that that experience, huh? Yeah. So Hong Kong, I, I used to go to Hong Kong when I was growing up um, when I lived in Malaysia, and then when I lived in Korea, and to me, it was always the most glamorous place imaginable. You know?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So much, Ho- so much. Hong Kong is. I remember somebody who traveled the world was asked that, and they said they they still think Hong Kong is one of the best cities they've they've ever been to. Yeah. It, um, yeah. It, Hong Kong is like is is like a New York that doesn't sleep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it definitely, it is so different than any other place. I I wonder if it's still that way, though. I mean, it's probably going to change a lot.
1: Yeah, I understand that it's not, it's no longer going to be the same. I think what makes Hong Kong so charming is that there's so much British influence in it. Like if Mm -hmm. you go up to the the, the peaks, you know, all the, the streets, mm. of the, the names of the streets are all like British names, you know, mm-hmm, and all mm-hmm. of that is slowly going to not going to be understood or seen the same way that that yeah. my generation has. Yeah.
0: So yeah. you grew up uh, in Los Angeles and <clears throat> um, and when you were growing up, did, what did you think that you were going to be when you grew up? What did you think your career was going to be?
1: Very good question. I always knew I was going to be an artist. I always, because I was really clear. The gift that I had was drawing. So Mm -hmm. ever since I was four years old, I was drawing um, cars and I was drawing women's high heel shoes. Even when you were that that young,
0: amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. My mother actually was the one who told me that she remembered seeing seeing a, a four year old boy drawing women's high heel shoes. So, <laughs> so I always knew I was going to be in that. And also, both sides of my parents their their uh, parents are, were very artistic. So mm. uh, I knew I was going to. It was it was ushering me into the world of art.
0: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I love that you knew mm-hmm. that so. So early on. And did you grow up in a house where there were always plenty of art supplies? And
1: no, no, No? Uh, that was the opposite. Yeah. Um, We grew up really poor. My father was a a pastor and he was living by faith in California Mm -hmm. in in the sixties. So we didn't have any money for those things, but I was surrounded by music because everyone was classical Mm. musician. They were all trained musicians. Yeah. Oh wow! My, I have an aunt right now who's I think ninety three, who's living in assisted living. She is the oldest one in our whole family, and she actually is a prodigy. She was she represented Hong Kong uh, playing for the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. So <gasps> my yeah. goodness, yeah. So, so so
0: you grew up. Your dad was a pastor. <laughs> I think you grew up in an evangelical family, didn't you?
1: Definitely. What was, yes.
0: was it? Does that mean? Did that mean a? Um, I'm going to guess that that meant a strict upbringing, but maybe not.
1: Um, More uh, more literal than strict, I think. Interesting. uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, evangelicals in my family uh, was more literal about what they read in the Bible uh, Mm -hmm. compared to uh, the Episcopal Episcopalians. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was it. But my father was unusual. My father was a really charismatic uh Chinese pastor. He wasn't mm-hmm. one of those uh stereotypical ones that were very solemn and very, mm-hmm. you know, like hung up and, and really, mm-hmm. you know, he instead was, he, he was an artist himself. He used to mm-hmm. draw while he was preaching and he used to, Make the congregation laugh throughout the whole service, so everybody really liked him because they could relate to him. Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's so so interesting.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And and what was your mom like?
1: My mom was the perfect support for him. She's still Mm -hmm. alive. I see her a couple times a week. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, uh, in the uh, past, the Pasadena area. But she, um, she was the, the anchor for my father. She did all of the things to support my father, take care of the family so that my father could do what he um, felt call, called to do. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was wonderful. We had a uh, quite a loving, supportive family and we still we still see each other, all the siblings, mm.
0: yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of siblings? You say yeah, all the siblings, I, like there's yeah. bunches of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have, um, I'm number five and the youngest. Oh. Yes. Aww. yes. Yeah. Are
0: they all around here? Are they in the LA area still?
1: Uh, four of us are. Uh, mm-hmm. one, of, uh, one of my sisters live in New York. I think she's actually listening right now. Oh, good. <laughs> what's, her fir- what's her first name? Her name is Grace. Yes. Grace, she, we're so yes. glad
0: that you're listening. Blessings yes. to you in New York City.
1: Yes. Grace and I are very, very close because she's number four and I'm number five. We right. both um grew up more uh, more Americanized in many sense. Right. Than, right. than the oh, other yeah. ones. Yeah. 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 So
0: um so little four year old four year old Joshua is drawing and painting and all of that. And and you always knew that you were going to be an artist. What, um, how did you get from there to your life in art and design?
1: Hmm. So, um. One of the one of the most influential. Uh, 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 events that happened was meeting someone a very, very old, very, very uh, elderly lady that was attending my father's church. And every Sunday, my father had this little church on Silver Lake Boulevard, the first Chinese Alliance church there. And at the the end of the service- Chinese
0: Alliance church there, Uh uh-huh.
1: Yes, he went on to start a lot of other ones, but that was the original Mm -hmm. one. And every Sunday's service at the end was this Rolls Royce that was parked in the front. And it was someone picking up this elderly lady. Mm-hmm. And so my father got to know them, and it turns out it was it, it was this person's granddaughter, and the granddaughter and the son-in-law, uh, it turns out they they were very successful commercial artists. So when she passed away, they had us over for dinner, and they lived in Hancock Park. And during the dinner, they realized my dream of attending the school called Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. Mm
0: -hmm. And it's
1: one of America's premier commercial art schools. Mm. And so they said, well, we graduated from there. So they said, we're going to put it in a good word for you, for the administration. Mm -hmm. So they did, and I got in. Nice. And that changed my whole life because... I went from going going to a kind of a lower income area of mm-hmm. LA mm-hmm. high school to Art Center College of Design. And it was a four-year program. And I went straight through. I finished in three and a half years. And um, I also was admitted, I was one of the few people that was uh, allowed to start right from high school. They really want you to go to uh, under you know, undergraduate schools before to get all of your basic, you know, top uh, classes finished. And so, but I, 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 they accepted me straight from high school. So I was able to finish early and that really projected my life forward because right after that, I, I became an art director in advertising and from there, 13 years later, I was, I I was still an art director, yeah
0: an art director in advertising and and so um here in Los Angeles or in New York
1: both uh-huh
0: yeah, uh-huh yeah, yeah, and yeah. and how does that relate to your career in design actually designing beautiful beautiful things uh, tell me about that <clears throat> well so you're an ad man you're an ad man yeah yeah
1: i was an ad man for the first like like madman right yeah yeah i was i was the creative part i Mm -hmm. I I was head of uh, United Airlines, designed for United Airlines, Hilton Hotels, a lot of those brands. Um, And um, I did that and I loved it. I, I, it really was a great place for me to learn how to be disciplined, how to work Mm. as a team, how to, how to, uh, how to fulfill, you know, uh, deadlines. Uh, how to think strategically, which still helps Mm. me to this day in church work. Uh, How do you talk to people? What do people really want to hear? How do you Mm. get to the point of people's needs? All those things I learned in advertising. And the weird Mm. thing was that um, from there, I, a lot of life things happened. And from there, Mm -hmm. I actually moved to New York city and that's, Mm. and I worked in advertising a little bit in New York city and, and, kind of accidentally got into shoes.
0: All right. So tell us the story of kind of accidentally getting into shoes. <laughs> Wait, first let's qu- put up a shoe. Let's put up a shoe <laughs> okay. um right now just to just to to set the okay uh set the mood. There's right. a beautiful one. There it is. All right. This is this shoe back when it was uh being advertised, it went for $1,895. Probably would be five times that today
1: uh, <laughs> yeah that's that's actually very recent that shoe. oh this is so, a
0: recent one oh. yeah
1: yeah this is very recent it's for a brand a new brand uh that uh that was brought back to life from actually the i believe it's the 50s and this uh young couple who had a really great sense of style mm. they actually Um, wanted to design a whole line of shoes uh, that was inspired by Hollywood Glamour so they actually found me uh, on a social media platform and Mm -hmm. they called me up and they just said hey look this is who we are Uh, Mm -hmm. we want to start a shoe line can you help us so I did that for the first three four years of their, their, their existence and it was really, really beautiful. Um, mm. They used they used factories that I recommended uh, mm-hmm. from Italy, and everything was made in Italy. Uh, mm. I I designs what we call spec, which is measure, and give dimensions and give all the instructions. That's what mm. the issue shoe designer is: is that you're really you really are part like uh, you you hold the crystal ball and you kind of project what you think will sell a year from now because you design it that much ahead. And, yes. you, and, and, you, and you create lines that that really speak to people, that really, really push the emotions of people. And mm. they, they were a wonderful brand, Palter and Deliso, yeah.
0: So, I mean, just for fun, and then I do wanna hear the yeah. story of how you got into shoes. Let's just look at this shoe for a minute. All right. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm seeing a sort of like a double platform.
1: Yes. It's, you have to, actually, that's the perfect, that's the technical term. It's a double. Platform. Oh,
0: wow. And a lucite heel.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: I knew and then Kate I can't... and I had a lot of things in college. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yes. and, uh, and then, um, and then uh, uh, the, the design, what is it called?
1: Swarfsky diamonds.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: Yeah, they're they're gorgeous. They're crystal diamonds. Yeah, yeah.
0: crystals. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. So, um, this shoe would be worn. Um...
1: This shoe would be worn for a red carpet. Yeah, like red yeah. carpet special. You know, the the people who um, who brought this brand back. They live that lifestyle. I mean, they go to extravagant, beautiful parties, and mm-hmm. this this is what they would they they would wear. I mean, even when I have meetings with uh the the one of the owners, I mean she marches mm-hmm. around in shoes like this with really, really beautiful like <laughs> short dresses and stuff. so oh um, my goodness, yeah, and the the reason why these are so expensive is because the the heels and stuff are really. They're not crystal. You can't make stuff out of crystal because they're not strong enough, but they right. are mold they are custom molded and carved. Mm. You can't really see the picture, but the backs mm. have beautiful carvings to them, yeah, that reminisce oh, that's the, the, the the original Paul de Liso style, yeah,
0: oh, that's wonderful, so exciting. okay, so how did you get into designing <laughs> these amazing designer shoes?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a lovely story, actually in my probably second year of living in New York City, I just loved New York. I mean, after 13 years mm. of being an art director, just even being in New York, I was sleeping on the floor in my sister's apartment, and I was uh-huh. the happiest in my whole life. I was oh. marching around with my portfolio, showing it to people all over, all over New York, and um, gradually I started meeting some different people, and... Um, and then I had to find my own apartment, and my sister mm-hmm. was interning with somebody whose parents own a lot of buildings in New York City. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so she asked her parents, and her parents said, yes, there's one that's coming on the market. They've lived there since the 1960s mm-hmm. in Soho, and this apartment was coming, going back out of the market but because of rent control. They could only raise it a little bit. And oh, I wow. paid $465 <gasps> a month in Soho. Okay. Was it so cute? Anyway, was
0: it a cute apartment?
1: It was cute, but tiny. It was yeah. super tiny. It was 275 square feet. Oh, and my. Had, you know, it was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. but you're in Soho, right? You're like so yes. happy. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, um, so the, the daughter said, hey, you know what? Do you think you can help a friend of mine? She's a single mom who's looking to get into graphics design would you talk to her on the phone? I said, definitely. So when we were talking on the phone, at the end of an hour of conversation, she said, thank you so much, how can I repay you for this? And I said, no, nothing, nothing. And she said, well, wh- why are you in New York? And I told her, I'd love to be in shoes and all this stuff. And she said, "Um, that's weird, my neighbor is in shoes. Uh, maybe I could talk to her. And I thought, yeah, right. You know, promises, promises. <laughs> the next day I got a phone call from this woman. turns out that she was a creative director of a brand called Charles Jordan from, uh, from Paris.
0: Mm-hmm. And she was
1: creative director. And she said, I heard about you. Uh, I ha- I'm very, very busy. Thursday's the only time I have. It's market week. Can you come over and show me your portfolio? So I had two days to put together a whole new portfolio and I never even like designed real shoes before. So when I went there, she, in front of Saks Fifth Avenue and everyone, I had to show my portfolio. And then oh she goodness. Said, would you be my intern? And I said, oh. sure. So uh, I went back and she was gone to Paris to pr- put in new, new designs. Mm-hmm. And she said, while I'm gone, can you please design all this stuff for me and fax it to me and we'll see if there's anything we could put in so i did i learned it i did it and so that was going on meanwhile uh this is so new york meanwhile somebody <laughs> so new york. invited me to some little party and there was this uh chinese younger guy than me and he and i just struck that conversation he says guy you know you're like i wish i had an older brother like you and he says, you know, I'm from LA and you're from LA. And blah, blah, blah. and he goes, can you draw? And I said, yeah. And he goes, look, you know, I'm working for a brand new uh, company and I'm in charge of designing all the handbags Would, and I need somebody to draw it everything. And I said, I could do it. And he says, the brand is called Old Navy. And I oh said, oh, my gosh! Oh, okay. He says, yeah, it's a gap company, blah, blah, blah. So then after working at retail, I would run over there at night and start drawing. And then the creative director of Gap uh, was from Ralph Lauren. And she said to me, um, you know, China loves your drawings. Do you think you can draw shoes? I said, yeah. Could I draw, I draw shoes. Draw shoes. <laughs> so then I started helping the, the girl in charge of shoes. Well, long, long story short, um, the creative director loved my work so much. She said, there's an opening at Ralph Lauren and that's where I'm from. And I think you would be perfect for it. And I said, but I really, you know, don't have that much experience. And she said, you can draw. And Ralph really wants someone who could draw well. So I, 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 I started working there. And they said uh, to Ralph, this he, which loved my drawings. He said he's a candidate for the full-time position. Would you like to meet him? And so she, he met me. Uh, after he came back from his ranch in Montana. And then he mm-hmm. saw my work and then he offered me the job as head of women's design for shoes. Oh my
0: and it was God. an honor
1: because he owns, he, he owns a lot of different brands uh, and this is the only brand that actually, th- the highest end is what he works with. So I was the only one that actually worked with him while he was doing his women's clothing, I was designing all the shoes that went with it. So that lasted so you, for about seven wait, years.
0: So you actually worked side by side with Ralph Lauren?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm i the only one that that out of all his designers that meet with him and talk with him and decide which which shoes to put in. Like a lot of the ads that became national ads were things that he and I decided uh, would be the perfect shoes for it yeah wow. yeah so I, I did all the those. runway So this shows, was in right?
0: the was this in the 90s
1: this was yeah this the was 2000s? a super, super model era this was Naomi yeah, Campbell so this I'm, was
0: I'm remembering like there was like like a safari year and yeah. the old English uh yeah, yeah, old yeah, English yeah. Manor
1: year and like yeah, all yeah, of these yeah.
0: sumptuous fabrics
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. and yep. that oh was my, my gosh era. I was in ah. collection design yeah yeah, I, I got to it? dress all the supermodels, Claudia Schiffer, all of them. I have stories all of, of all of those things.
0: That was yeah, we did we don't really have supermodels in the same way anymore, do we?
1: <laughs> no, it's true. We changed. have these young it's we have changed. these young
0: girls that are sort of Instagram famous, but Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. There there's a completely different world. I mean back then. Okay, so back, Claudia back Schiffer,
0: Linda Evangelista, Evangelista. Lisa and Cindy Crawford.
1: Yes, and Claudia Schiffer, Naomi
0: Campbell. Right, Naomi Campbell. Yeah, that was those were those were sort of the big five, weren't they? There was another one, Stephanie Seymour.
1: Yeah, those are. It was very funny. It was. I remember the week before the runway shows, we were all so overworked and you know, like working all night. And then it was right like the Thursday before the show, the night before the show, um, you, would, you would see these giraffes walking in. You would see <laughs> the models walking in and they know that you know them, but you don't say anything, of course. So Naomi yeah. Campbell would walk in, like from Donna Karen, she would then move over to us and then she would, and she'd get fitted and they'd all like just design decide what outfits she would be wearing to go on the show. And so it was wonderful to see them, see them like walk in, just say hello, you know, walk in. Mm. And then they were just different people. They were so tall, so beautiful. Yes. That's why when people ask me, oh, you, you live in Hollywood, you live in LA, you know, aren't you like excited to see mo- uh, movie stars? I'm like, I actually like supermodels. More than movie stars. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, now, when you see Naomi uh-huh. Campbell walk out on a, you know, they're, they're an actress. I mean, she just mm-hmm. struts. She just doesn't care in the world. She is there. She swings, you know, and you're just hoping the heels don't fall off. And Yes, like yes. It's wonderful. So yeah. sort
0: of so bold. Um, yeah. In those days when they were being fitted for shoes and clothing, was it a give and take? Did they have opinions or did were they just passive and it was all the designers
1: it was it was ralph's choice yeah. it was ralph's choice ralph and they knew that right look yeah and then but the funny thing is that at the end of the show you know like they'll sometimes ralph will have we have like 200 shoes for him to pick from and oh. out of those there are like maybe 15 styles and there are some styles that he likes to use over and over again that we only have like two pairs of and right. so we would literally throw the Flip shoes off. and throw it to the next person <laughs> who would then put it on the foot, you know, that kind of stuff. But I remember Linda Evangelista is famous for asking people at the end, and she asked me twice, she says, can I keep one of your shoes? Because she, you know, and it was an honor that she actually loves us so much. And that part of it was that African collection you talked about.
0: Really? Oh yeah. wow! So that would have yeah. been some probably some cool boots and no, esperals. they were woven
1: no? woven leather wedged sandals, high heel
0: sandals,
1: mm. ankle strap.
0: Oh oh wow!
1: Yeah, Fun. beautiful, beautiful. Like vegetable tanned, like mm-hmm. rust kind of Ma- Maasai. It was very much influenced by Maasai tribes, so mm-hmm. it was like earthy colors. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember this era like it was yesterday. I don't know. It, it was, it was a really special time in, in, in fashion history, yeah, wasn't it?
1: It was, you know, it I was the Joshua through,
0: Wong era. So obviously. You
1: know, I was so lucky. <laughs> I really am. I, I lived yeah. through the best parts of the, the, the footwear industry because mm. my big thing that ended before I moved to LA was being um, head of all of men's and women's shoes for Banana Republic And uh, I was, yeah, and why I mentioned that again was because we did so well because we had like, they brought in a creative director from Burberry, a British woman Mm -hmm. who then Mm -hmm. got rid of their existing designer and hired me to to work with her because I was collection taste and she was collection taste. And she really believed that Banana Republic should not be a destination where people go to look for sale items but that they should actually be buying, you know, uh, uh, prime, you know, like first cost, I mean, not first cost, but regular price shoes. And so what would capture people is to design things people really wanted. And so with PR and with the quality changing and all that stuff, which was my responsibility, we ended up with mostly uh, shoes that were sold at regular price. So that means that the company would make a lot more money. So I really lived in a great, great mm. time of fashion where mm. where where people, there was still a love for design instead of a copy of a design. You know, it was not a Forever 21 kind of mentality of fast fashion, but it was really about people wanting something that they saw in the store. Yeah.
0: Now that's an interesting point. I think fast fashion has come later, hasn't it?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah. I wonder if we could look at a few more, uh, a few more designs right now while we're talking about that um, that era.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: Beautiful.
1: Yeah. This is also from Paul de Deliso. This mm-hmm. was actually inspired by Venetian paper.
0: Oh yes, or that that sort of oh Venetian or Florentine. I know what oh, you f- mean. Uh, that fl- beautiful.
1: Well, it's Florentine and Venetian. Paper. oh it's
0: beautiful yeah. beautiful they
1: actually they actually used the same i don't know how they did it they used a technique where they they did that and then they and then of course they, they put a coating on it yeah
0: yeah stunning what else have we Is got there? let's see what else that's so beautiful
1: yeah
0: so so beautiful and now these are some of your drawings right
1: yeah this was at the show that C- kate and i were i
0: know at. i yeah. know that was a great and and uh, and Ralph Lauren is right. You can draw.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can draw men's and women's shoes. And Ralph, uh-huh. because I ended up helping out with the men's department too. And mm-hmm. he really wants to do what they these are called three-quarter views. Um, and the factories actually really prefer these because they can actually see the spirit of the shoe instead mm-hmm. of what we call a profile view, where everything was flat on one side. Like this a really cross-section. Showed, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's so this beautiful. was at the show that that Otis yes. had. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's right. It was a show at the Otis College of Art, as I said, right before the world shut down. Yeah, um, a wonderful show. What was it called? The something about the.
1: It was called. Um, it was called a step beyond. Mm. Yeah, you can actually go on Otis's website, Otis College of Art. Uh, it's the Ben Maltz Gallery. Ben Maltz, M-A-L-T-Z, I think. Ben Maltz Gallery still has a lot of images up from the show, Mm. yeah, yeah.
0: That's wonderful. And do we have any, I think we have another montage of some of the beautiful designs. Is that um, uh, the Ralph Lauren woven sandal that's at the the middle of the top, is that part of that line that we were talking about?
1: Yes, that's Naomi Campbell when she was younger.
0: Oh, she lo- she doesn't quite look like Naomi Campbell in that yeah, picture.
1: That's Naomi Campbell. Yeah. So beautiful. But so the one so Penelope beautiful. Cruz on the bottom, that one oh, is Oh, that's Penelope
0: Lawrence. Cruz. Oh
1: yeah. wow. Penelope Cruz. Yeah. And, we and see then Sarah the Jessica far left Parker. one is a Ralph Lauren only uses real crocodile. So is that's he really sling back. Yeah. And he doesn't like seams. Seams are what makes a shoe cheaper they can mm-hmm. use smaller pieces or leftover pieces interesting he, when he does boots like when you f- see full shafted boots he'd never mm-hmm. uses middle seams he uses a complete one piece of leather that's why they're so expensive
0: that is fascinating and this yeah. and this it's hard to see the shoe that the seated woman is wearing but it's a mm. very beautiful pink shoe yeah
1: uh, that's banana republic
0: is it really?
1: Yeah. We elevated. You know, I feel banana like republic. you really
0: elevated I feel like yeah. you really elevated Banana Republic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shoe was under a hundred dollars. We had to keep it under a hundred dollars. Still made in Italy. Yeah. Um, Still made in one, Italy. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. The one above with all the boots, that center yes. boot is also a banana republic boot.
0: Oh wow.
1: Yeah. That's amazing. And, and then, then there's the- this
0: uh, sparkly platform in this era, Jessica mm. Parker.
1: Yes, yes, that's sold at Nordstrom's.
0: Wonderful. By the way, I want to tell you that in the chat right now, uh, one of the people in the chat is Robin Young and Robin Young says, hello, Uncle Joshua, thank you oh. for sharing your experience with us. Oh. We are supporting you all the way. So proud of you and your efforts. Virtual hug. <laughs> oh.
1: Thank you. That's so so sweet.
0: sweet. That's so sweet. So so you were designing shoes sort of for seven years. Is that what you're saying?
1: For the Ralph Ralph Lauren. For Ralph Ralph Lauren. Seven Uh years. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then, but I've designed shoes for 13 years, I believe, uh, Mm -hmm. often. uh, And my latest client would be um, the Paltrow people and also uh, part of the Kim Kardashian collection. Uh, Really? yeah yeah so it's really fun as a designer because mm-hmm. Kim kardashian shoes are, are sold at sears so you've got a big range of what you can do um, yeah yeah i mean as a as a designer you are you're supposed to be open-minded uh, you
0: don't I, seem I, like a snob
1: no i'm not because to me the challenge is great i mean if you do inexpensive shoes it just means that you know, the numbers are different. The, the, the vendors are different. The country that you have to go and visit is different mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. But also you were, we're talking about, you know, big, a lot bigger numbers too. So, yeah.
0: So that's yeah, where but, the profit would be yeah. in the numbers and, instead. Of... Yeah,
1: and, and that leads to actually what I really love to do now is also, I'm a mentor right now. So I'm a mentor, at mm-hmm. a couple of different schools uh because I really hope that the next generation of artists or designers would be encouraged, uh, especially being a christian, there aren't mm. a lot of uh, there aren't a lot of moral kind of guidelines and and op, uh and, and offerings people give um, there aren't a lot of that's why one of the areas that i'm very interested in there's three areas i'm interested in ministry. What is in yeah, the arts yeah, yeah. community? Well, yeah. but
0: but we still have to sort of we have to get from shoes to <laughs> ministry. <laughs> so hold on there, Joshua. <laughs> okay. I'm glad <laughs> there are three areas of ministry. I'm, I'm
1: glad but you're there to, to lower my I know. excitement level. <laughs> we
0: left you. We left you in New York City hobnobbing <laughs> with a supermodel. So how did you get yeah. from there? Mm. Now you're back in L.A. Yeah. and and you're still doing design, and you're also in seminary, but you you also became an Episcopalian. So just walk yeah. us through what happened. Mm. What happened to you? <laughs> well, actually,
1: I became an Episcopalian before I moved to New York. The Episcopal oh, wow. Church actually saved me because um I grew up in a in a faith tradition that did not believe that being uh, a person who is who is gay is mm-hmm. saved or can be saved. Mm and so i really thought that i would i had no choice i thought that god didn't love me anymore so i discovered all saints pasadena well that's another uh, story but all saints pasadena actually opened up a lot of resources for me to learn that there are a lot of that god loves me and has created me the way i am and then then from all saints pasadena i moved to new york city and i actually mm-hmm. Be, uh, I actually joined the Episcopal church at St. Thomas in on 5th Avenue and 53rd Street. Ah. So I, yeah, I had a wonderful community there. Priests all kind of took me under their wings to 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 help me and so that was I that's why I love the Episcopal church and the mm. rituals and and the liturgy and the music and all that is just this beautiful way of worshiping that I never really grew up with. Um, mm. So that was, I remained being uh, a member of uh, St. Thomas all the way up until, um, until we moved to LA and from LA, um, let's see, that's, I, we had a couple of years in Orange County in the Presbyterian church, which was mm-hmm. a wonderful community. And from there we moved to Pasadena. And um, and now we're members of that's in Culver City.
0: Culver yeah. City, which if you all don't know is a very cool church. It's sort of a what's what do you call yourselves?
1: Emerging emerging,
0: emerging church, church yeah. with uh, wonderful uh, live music, re- roots music, Americana music. Uh, it's yeah. so different than any other Episcopal church I know of.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's and, a church um, that. Has an open dialogue after every sermon, ever after every homily, giving people a chance to share with the community and to process what they learned, and I just think it's just it's holy dialogue. That's all I could say.
0: That's powerful. What a great idea. Yeah. So, where were you at Thads when you got your call to the priesthood? How did that happen? Yeah,
1: yeah. Thads is my sponsoring church. Nice and. John Debhouse is the priest, and Sarah Reynolds is the assistant priest and john uh john john asked asked my husband and I on a summer evening uh sitting outside at dinner whether i felt felt a calling for the ministry and i the this blue speech.
0: out of the blue wow
1: and it stopped us in our tracks, and I got to admit, I had, I had a feeling like this for the last probably the last five to ten years, because my you know I didn't know if I wanted to get back into the life my father had as a minister. Mm-hmm. Um, but I must say that, uh, I must say that what, what brought me to to a different point is what happened in our last four years and the um and the political environment that we were in um i was just really seeing the decaying of our society the decaying of the decaying of of what is right and wrong and how lies can people can get away with lying and uh, i just really felt like the world needs the world needs people to love and care for others. And I told John that it's something he needs to keep reminding me about. I didn't want to say yes or no. And he did for a couple months. And Edward, my husband, and I both really prayed about it and really thought about it. And he also felt that that was the right thing, that that was a natural thing for me because of the history and the experience of life, the narratives that have accumulated in my life. And so I said yes. And he formed a discernment team. So, so Thad's is my sponsoring church. So, that's all. Speaking
0: of, speaking of Thad's, Kathy Watts is in the chat right oh, now. And yes. she says, We are so proud of your journey into the ministry, Josh, from your friends at Thad's. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So they called you. They,
0: they call, they, it sounds like sometimes people receive the call and then they need to go find a community to believe in them or they feel it before the community does. But it sounds like this community kind of came and got you.
1: Yeah. where <laughs> God yeah. came and got you using the community. Yeah, yeah God really, God came, God came, God came in a in a very beautiful time in my life to do this, um, because I just really feel like all of the different careers I've had mm-hmm. gives me more clarity about what it means to to be part of the world, to to be used by God in the world right now. I think especially after COVID. Uh, and in, in seminary, I'm just really learning so much about how the church is changing and how people's viewpoint of spirituality is changing. Mm. And I don't, you know, my simple prayer to God is, I don't really care where you put me, just use me, you know. So... Yeah. um Yeah, I think you know the LGBTQ community really needs me, the Asian Pacific American community needs me, and the artist community and the artist community.
0: Yes, all three of those, and those are three big communities in Los Angeles and this whole region. By the way, one of our um, one of the people in the chat, Comfort, she loves shoes, but she also is actually asking you a question about the ministry, which is, did you have to go through some kind of counseling first before your decision to change? vocation especially one that involved the ministry
1: um that's a very good question i think every person goes through it differently some do start getting counseling some uh I, I when you go when you decide to to go forward and the church puts you into forms of discernment team for you um jim white who's part of our diocese immediately mm-hmm. you know meets with you guys with us and he also recommends that we all have uh, spiritual directors. So spiritual mm-hmm. directors are part of that discernment team. So you're not doing it yeah. alone.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, all That's through great. the whole process, there are so many opportunities for you to uh, keep discerning through it. Uh, and I'm really happy that the, the, our, our, our faith tradition really respects that and respects people's um, and honors people's like real you know like honesty about whether they want to get into this ministry or not and there are different ways of serving too you know diaconate um you know laity so you could still get all the training and 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 all that but you know it everybody's different yeah
0: right and you're and you're halfway through seminary right now yeah yes
1: i am yes
0: Congratulations! Does it feel like it's gone fast so far?
1: Yes, so? it has, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've learned a lot. Yeah.
0: All right, now I'll let you. And now I'll let you tell us what are you, <laughs> your three your three ministry <sighs> dreams. I know we. I know it's important. Um, so, so what are they? The what three are the areas three?
1: of my calling? Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: It, well, yeah.
1: The three areas that I still feel called is Mm -hmm. to be a part of the asian american ministry and because it is my story Mm -hmm. and i'm also called to help and care for the lgbt community Mm -hmm. because they are told over and over again that god does not love them and they are told over and over again that they that the church does not have a place in their lives and it is so false and then the third area I feel really strongly about is um, the artist community, the fashion community, because no one ever talks about God in it. Yet God is the center and the creator of the most beautiful things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the creator of our minds, our imagination, our ability, our sensories to create beautiful things so that people can like. Look forward to wearing a beautiful pair of, you know, eight-inch heels, you know? I mean, those are still joys that God gives us. So, so isn't
0: that interesting that that I mean, I've never heard anyone say it the way that you're saying it right now, that in the world of art that's infused with God, there's a separation between the artist and the source.
1: Yeah. And it, and it's and the Episcopal Church has a perfect place for it because yeah. the Episcopal Church believes in different ways of coming to the, the, to, to the spirit of God. And, and it, I mean, we all, we all respect each other's uh, call of faith, mm. but the Episcopal Church is very unique that, that it's open for people to learn about the multiple facets of God, the multiple facets of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think the church is often so scared of talking about, you know, there's Mm -hmm. this fear of, Oh, you're so like in the world, you're so influenced by the world. You're so, uh, you're so affected by the world, but God created the world and God Mm. created just the most amazing, uh, you know, things that people can do, you know, and Mm. God wants to retrieve it all back. And, and everybody knows that, that, that they are, that they are part of God's kingdom and, and not Mm. to be outside of God's kingdom. You know, Mm. that's Mm. the thing is inside and outside, you know, let's, you know, my, my hope is that in all three areas where there's, there's a, there's, there's more of a, 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 a blending of what is, what is, both, you know, all joined together.
0: That's beautiful, and I also hear in the way that you're talking about it that an impulse for healing.
1: Yeah, at, that's true. In all of
0: it, because it so when we're separated from when we're separated from God, or when we're um, shamed or told that we don't belong to God. I mean, the 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 need for healing
1: is oh. enormous is so enormous, and who do we and that's think that...
0: kind of who do we think we are not to? Yeah, I want to talk in these in sort of we're nearing the end of our hour, but I want to talk about what happened in Atlanta almost a month ago now, uh, when we on the topic of of the need for the need for healing and change and yeah. and um and I know that I know that um it hit. Everybody's so hard, but I know because I I read a speech that you wrote about it. I know that that it affected you profoundly. Can you talk a little bit about about um, this recent violence and the larger history of violence?
1: Yeah. Well, um, obviously we're not we're not going to be able to cover everything about this, but the things that I wanted to leave for people is the fact that <clears throat> that we need to. The, the my prayer and hope for the Episcopal Church in our community and Ellie Diocese and whoever else is listening is that people realize that we need to know other cultures better. And the Asian Pacific American community here in America, and I say American because I believe that any immigrant that has come mm-hmm. from Asia becomes an American when they come to this soil, whether they like to claim it or not. It's a matter of time. Our minds, mm-hmm. our influences are become American and we are. Mm-hmm. We all strive to be Americans in this country. We need to understand that concept a lot more. We need to realize and learn. I just really hope that people will take advantage of all of the opportunities that Diocese offers to learn about racism Mm-hmm. Um especially Asian Pacific Americans, uh racism, because we, you know we we were we're, we're a, a we're a population that really um, really believes in not making waves or problems.
0: Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm.
1: decide we have you can ask anyone, we have all escaped a country to come to another country that we hope will give us a better life. You know, it's not that we all want to come to America because it's great. It's because there's so much oppression in other countries. So yeah. first of all, understand that everybody, they're trying to make a good life for themselves and they're trying to contribute, but we're not all the same. Asians mm-hmm. are, like I told, you know, Kate, I believe mm-hmm. there's 48 countries that the United mm-hmm. Nations consider mm-hmm. as Asians. So imagine when you say those Asians which Asians are you talking about? And then out of all those Asians, there are so many generations in those Asians, Mm. you know, there are fourth generation, Japanese, fifth generation, Japanese, Chinese, Mm. Filipinos, everyone. And we're all lumped together when there's hate crimes. And that is something that people, loving people like ourselves need to learn about. We need to learn about other people's cultures. And also we need to learn to, um, to, to give people a chance in this country. You know, it's been how long and most of the decision-making in our country, whether corporate or political, are all from one race Mm -hmm. and one gender. And that's Mm -hmm. not gonna change the world when other people don't have power. You know, Hispanics Mm -hmm. need power, Blacks need power, Asians need power, LGBTQ people need power. They need to be elected, they need to be given a chance. So Mm -hmm. that's gonna help change the world if people um, vote people in, change laws and so forth. Um, Why do you think
0: that elderly uh, Asian Americans have been targeted especially? That seems especially, especially cruel.
1: Because the people who are doing it are especially stupid. (laughs) <laughs> they are. I hate mm. to say this. They're cowardly, and they are just following some rhetoric that our former president has has given them permission. Mm. And for them to just bully someone, isn't it easy to bully someone who can't fight you back? Yeah, it's it's their way of just telling the world that they're so angry and they hate others. Uh, yeah. Even in Monterey Park right now, in San Gabriel Valley, in the malls, you see you see signs up written out in hand saying let's watch out for our elderly you know mm. let's let's do this let's do that because we're all afraid that it's going to happen anywhere everywhere and we got we have ha- we've got to make this this a conversation topic you know yeah you no know,
0: it's it's interesting yeah. i've heard you i've heard you use the 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 term um Invisible minority or model minority. And so it sounds like some of this uh, making this a conversation topic is, 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 uh, yeah. overcoming that, um, yeah. not making waves, you know, I mean, making yeah. waves.
1: <laughs> yeah. All yeah. of us. Yeah. I think that, um, the much, the, the powerful majority people do not want others to start getting the same powers they have. And that's holding them back. And one of the things that has happened to Asian Pacific Americans is that because we were raised to be good good uh, citizens in this country, mm-hmm. we were given this model minority title by someone. It isn't from mm-hmm. us. It sounds like, oh God, you guys are so, you know, it's great, you guys are given this. Th-. It just means that other minorities are not models you know, and Mm. when you're put into a box uh, and you have no room to breathe, you cannot grow, you cannot change, you cannot rebel, you cannot, it's another form of dying. So so to be put in these kinds of labels means that all Asians are going to be crazy rich Asians. All Asians Mm -hmm. are going to be mathematicians. All Asians are going to be, you know the submissive you know women are going to be like the submissive object men are going to mm. just be like these these less than white mm. guys things i mean in the mm. lgbt community uh, it's slowly changing but in, in in asians are considered on the lower tiers of someone who is more desirable and why is that it's because the white community has given the power has said, we are better than you. We look better than you. We have the looks that that the world wants. You know, I mean, that mm-hmm. is what power is. Mm-hmm. And that is what, in a way, that's what commercialism is. That's what That's what we're taught in media is instead of honoring everyone for who they are and mm-hmm. loving everyone for who they are.
0: There we are again at where... Um, where the media world and the faith world meet, in yeah. how you see
1: it, right, just yeah. sort of, yeah, yeah. It's unfortunately it's, you know it's something that we need to all learn to do is, is the Asian voice. Asian voice needs to be given a chance, and Hollywood is slowly starting to do that by having a lot more commercials now that include Asians. Mm -hmm. How long has it been? How long does it take to finally see an Asian in a commercial, you know? Meanwhile, we we are big consumers, you know? And so, I mean, what does it take? What does it take? I mean, the, the the Atlanta tragedy happened right at a time when we saw bullies pushing, killing elderly people and then, and then the targeting of targeting of women, Asian women, mostly Asian women, and 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 then lumping everyone to saying that they are all whores and they are all prostitutes. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. there's no understanding that in the, the th- that that some of the things that happened in the Korean spas and the Chinese spas that they don't realize that those cultures honor spas as a way of living and as a way of community you know yeah and so everybody goes to the spa yeah yeah yeah. and as you know st james is right in the middle of koreatown there's yeah and spas are everything you know and and so the media doesn't know anything like that so that's why once again Mm. it's about learning that Mm. in other cultures spas are you know are not just you know like places some you know like a minority of them are like places where people ser- are getting served for sex, but mm-hmm. most of them it's because of you know just holistic reasons. Yeah Got it.
0: Well, that's a that's a, talking about spas is a funny place to end our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but we've talked about everything from the evangelical church to the design uh, to the advertising world to the design high fashion world to uh, the Episcopal world. We've talked about uh, anti-Asian racism and we've talked about your call to ministry. We've covered a lot of topics in <laughs> one hour, haven't we? Is there anything that we haven't covered? Is there like <laughs> one, thing, <laughs> one one message that you'd like to leave us with tonight, Joshua?
1: Wow, you put me on the spot.
0: <clears throat> That's okay. You're, you're good there. You know
1: what you're doing. I am just very excited about what the future of the church will look like. I'm excited, to, I'm excited that the church is being challenged to be relevant and to, and to really speak a language that people can understand. And that's what I wanna do. And I think oh. that that's what we're all called to do is to not be too comfortable in our beautiful places of community but to um but to really be priests. We're all priests. We're, you know you don't have to be ordained. You, you know, we're all priests. So start acting like a priest, you know, start <laughs> sharing, start helping, start mm-hmm. blessing, start praying, start all that stuff. So, you know, as I'm discerning, I hope this is not just left for me, but it's for everyone to discern mm-hmm. and to really think about your own narrative, your own beautiful stories. You all own beautiful stories. And what does that mean about where that fits into St. James's ministry, mm-hmm. to your own parish ministry in your own life, whether you even have a, ministry, a church or not? You mm-hmm. are called to live a full life. That is what God calls us to do, live a full life free from discrimination and 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 knowing mm. that no matter what we do, we are, we are truly, truly beloved and there's nothing more we can do about it.
0: Mm. Perfect way to end our conversation. Joshua, thank you so much for being Aww. with us tonight. Really wonderful. And I can't wait to Aww. see you again in person soon. Yes,
1: yes, we'll have coffee. All right, real coffee. good,
0: in Koreatown. All right, real yes. coffee in Koreatown. Okay. All right, good night. Blessings, okay. everyone. Stay safe.
1: Thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Bye. Thank you for being here.